Hey everyone and welcome to The Year Was, the podcast all about today that gives you just enough information to effectively be that guy at the party, causing all your friends to question, hey, who invited you? Like, seriously, why are you here? I'm your host Michael Montalvo and for the next few minutes we will swim through the river of time to find out what makes it a truly unique. On this episode we examine the events that occurred June 10th. Little is known about Bridget Bishop's early life. We know she was born around 1632 in England. We know she married her first husband and moved to the Massachusetts colony around 1660. We also know that her husband Samuel Wesselby died in 1664 and she remarried two years later to Thomas Oliver who had children from a previous marriage. The two would have one daughter together but had a troubled relationship and often fought. Mary Ropes, a neighbor, would testify that when the couple was brought into court, that Bridget's face was bloodied and bruised on more than one occasion. In the book Salem Village Witchcraft, a documentary record of local conflict in colonial New England, Paul Boyer writes, Mary Ropes, aged about 50 years, deposed that she had several times been called to her neighbor Thomas Oliver's by himself, but mostly by his wife, to hear their complaints one of the other. They had both acknowledged that they had been fighting together. Further, she saw Goodwife Oliver's face at one time bloody and at other times black and blue, and then said Oliver complained that his wife had given him several blows. She was foul-mouthed and openly fought with her husbands, and when Oliver died in 1679, she inherited the estate much to the displeasure of his children. In fact, only a few months after his death, the children accused her of being a witch, but a lack of evidence prevented the case from moving forward. During the trial, she denied accusations, saying, I am innocent to a witch. I know not what a witch is. A magistrate responded to this by saying, How can you know you are no witch, yet not know what a witch is? It is often speculated that this accusation was an attempt by the children to get their hands on their father's property. She found herself in court again, 1687, after brass from a local mill was found on her property, though she claims no idea how it ended up there. She married a third and final time to Edward Bishop in 1685. She was known for her temper and for flamboyantly dressing in a black hat, black dress, and red bodice. She would entertain late into the night, play the forbidden game of shuffleboard, and was on the receiving end of speculation and gossip, although none of that seemed to bother her. Then in 1692, she was accused of being a witch, and in June, she was the first to be tried during the Salem Witch Trials. The year was 1692, and on this day, June 10th, Bridget Bishop became the first woman to be executed by hanging as a result of the Salem Witch Trials. Bishop lived in modern-day downtown Salem, near an orchard that she owned where she also kept chickens. On April 18, 1692, she was arrested on charges of witchcraft after being accused by Mercy Lewis, Abigail Williams, Elizabeth Hubbard, and Anne Putnam Jr. She was accused of consorting with the devil and performing witchcraft. The next day, she was examined by Judges John Hawthorne and Jonathan Corwin. Upon entering the courthouse, a number of the afflicted girls that included Mercy Lewis and Anne Putnam began to howl as if it were causing them pain but Bishop continued to deny any wrongdoing. Supposedly, the girls had been instructed by Samuel Paris, allegedly, to mirror Bishop's actions as if she were controlling them. This included raising arms and rolling eyes. 
This reportedly did not bother Bishop despite the influence it had over the opinions of the authorities, and Bishop was sent to prison to await trial. Hold on, I hear you saying. Who were the afflicted girls? During the winter of 1691 to 1692, Salem was at war with Native Americans, harsh weather, and relied on the church for safety. While all of this was going on, two girls, Elizabeth Paris and Abigail Williams, the daughter and niece of the minister, Samuel Paris, began practicing fortune-telling despite the fact that it was then, and is arguably still known now, as a demonic activity. Soon after they began practicing, they became strangely ill. They would have fits, shout gibberish, and would contort their bodies into odd positions. Samuel Paris, true to his faith, believed that prayer would cure them, but his efforts failed. He then brought in a doctor who found no physical cause for their actions and diagnosed them as being afflicted by the evil hand. Now that they believed it was witchcraft, other ministers were consulted and, surprise, they all agreed that the only cause could be witchcraft. But here's the thing. These girls were seen as the victims, and if there are victims, then there are perpetrators, and if there are perpetrators, then they are witches, and I ain't want no witches in my community. Three women were accused, the reverend slave Tituba, a homeless woman, Sarah Good, and a woman who defied conventional Puritan society, Sarah Osborne. Good and Osborne denied the accusations, but Tituba actually admitted to being a witch, saying that a man dressed in all black had come to them and demanded they sign their names into a great book. Now that hysteria was spreading, more young women came forward and claimed to be afflicted. Wait, I hear you say again, but what really caused them to become afflicted? One theory is that it was a combination of stress, asthma, guilt, boredom, child abuse, epilepsy, and delusional psychosis. Basically, everything but the kitchen sink. Another theory, presented in 1976 by Dr. Linda R. Caporeal, argued that the disease, convulsive ergotism, was to blame. This basically says that the rye grain, infected with the ergot fungus, was ingested. The fungus invades the developing rye kernels, especially during warm and damp conditions which were present at the time, and rye was the main staple of the Puritan diet. These symptoms even line up as it causes crawling sensations under the skin, fits, vomiting, choking, and hallucinations. In fact, LSD is actually a derivative of ergot. Still another theory is related to the book Memorable Providences by Cotton Mather, a minister in Boston. The 1689 book dealt with witchcraft and possession and actually detailed an episode of alleged witchcraft with an Irish woman named Goody Glover. The book, which just happened to be in Samuel Paris's library, although it was widely read and discussed at the time, describes Glover's symptoms, and perhaps coincidentally, Elizabeth Paris and Abigail Williams' symptoms and behavior mirrored that of Goody Glover. Okay, back to Bridget Bishop. We got a little bit sidetracked. In June of 1692, the special court of Oyer and Terminer convened in Salem to judge the accused. Because Bishop had more accusations against her than any other defendant, she was brought forward and tried first. But what evidence did they have against her? Funny you should ask that, as most of the testimony was brought out at the examination with the afflicted girls. What this basically means is that the public opinion sentenced her before the trial even began. They had little to no evidence, and colonists believed and were certain 
that she was a witch and that was enough for them. Judges listened to the accusers and once again Bishop's past was brought up. Her bad temper, her late night shuffleboarding, and her husband's death. Her body was searched by women of the community to look for a sign that she had made a commitment to the devil and a witness testified that a sideways glance from her caused a boar to detach from the church and fly across the room. Again, the flamboyant way she dressed was brought up and the most damning piece of evidence was when John Bly claimed he found poppets in a cellar wall while doing work on her former house. The poppets were supposedly used in witchcraft and were made of rags and hog bristles that had pins stuck in them. Here's the bit that really got me. Apparently when Bishop testified she was found guilty of telling lies because her testimony conflicted with that of what others had said. Despite the excess of evidence against her, any evidence in her favor was not allowed, and so in June of 1692, she was found guilty of being a witch. And at the time, hanging was forbidden by Massachusetts law. But conveniently, an old colonial law just so happened to be found that made witchcraft a life-or-death offense. And on June 8, 1692, it was passed into law again. Two days later, High Sheriff George Cowan reported he had hung Bridget Bishop with the branch of a large oak tree on Gallow Hill. In October of 1692, Massachusetts Governor William Phipps ordered the Court of Oyer and Terminer to be replaced with the Superior Court of Judicature and forbade the sensational testimony that had been allowed up until that point. And the execution stopped. In total, 19 men and women were convicted of witchcraft from June to September of 1692, although many more stayed in jail until May of 1693, when a general release freed all of those who remained in jail. Within the next five years, Salem officials publicly apologized for what had happened. In 1711, 22 of the 33 individuals convicted were exonerated by the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. In 1957, the state of Massachusetts formally apologized for the trials and cleared six of the remaining 11, including Bridget Bishop, although instead of naming her, she was given the Gilligan's Island treatment of and others. Finally, in 2001, the remaining five and the six from 1957 were fully exonerated. That's going to do it for us today. If you like this podcast and want to hear more, give us a rate and a review. That helps me out and helps steer this in a direction that is hopefully good for all. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can find the audio version on your podcast app of choice. You can find me on social media and at YouTube at the Apple Cider Club. And as always, I want to thank the Tim Kreitz Band for our musical theme. And thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.